Welcome, welcome to the Hard Skills Show and Podcast with me, Dr. Mira Bronku. Uh, you can see here if you're watching live uh, or the video, I do have a guest. I'm going to introduce her in a moment. Um, but just a little reminder of what the show is all about. I work with leaders in healthcare research, technical, and innovation fields who value talent retention, inclusion, and personal leadership development. And I help them develop the hard skills needed to navigate significant systemic change and make a greater impact. And if you value evidence-based solutions and are committed to consistent practice, then this is the podcast for you. Now, as a reminder, my background is in developmental counseling and clinical and organizational psychology. And as an immigrant, I developed a resourcefulness and entrepreneurial spirit and interest in how people navigated the unknowns. And after initial career challenged by workplace politics, I realized that understanding the language and having all of the credentials doesn't guarantee success, right? I had to learn the hard skills of the unspoken cultural norms and people navigation. And once I did, I navigated an incredible leadership career in one of the largest, most complex organizations in the U.S. I wrote a book on workplace politics and became passionate about helping others learn to create inclusive, healthy work cultures that make a greater impact. Along the way, I've created several frameworks I now use with my clients, and I'll share them um, on this show. And one of them is the strategic leadership pathway model for leading authentically and effectively. This season, we are talking about facing uncertainty. That's the first phase of this five-stage model where we explore how to lead with and through uncertainty. Now, I don't want you watching or listening to this passively. I want you to be ready to reflect deeply, take notes, and identify at least one small step to further develop your hard skills muscle. Today, you're going to learn a lot. I promise you from today's guest, you're going to learn so much. It's going to be hard for you to choose what you want to do first. Um, our guest today is Carrie Patterson. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. I'm so honored to be here. Absolutely. Now, Carrie is an engineer by training who picked up agile and project management skills along the way to apply them to helping leaders and teams in software development become more effective. She's got a fascinating background, a wealth of knowledge. I don't know how much knowledge she has up here because every single time I talk to her, I feel like I learned something new about her skill set that I didn't know before. And I invited her here to speak with us on the first episode um, because I find that she has such a clear-headed, thoughtful way of helping people balance uncertainty with just the right amount of planning. I have watched her videos on YouTube on just like career development. And like she takes so much complex information and is able to condense it so simply and clearly that I knew she'd be a great first guest. And when I pulled people on LinkedIn to see what questions they had about uncertainty, this topic came up more than once. And I thought Carrie would be great for this one. So, so um, one of the comments we got on LinkedIn was, I'm a planful person. I like to plan things out, but I feel like I can't do that any longer due to life or work. How do you face an uncertain future without a plan? So I reached out to Carrie and I was like, Let's just expand on this. Let's look at this from every direction. Um, and um, also just wanted to, by the way, thank Rebecca Meal. Um, she is uh, the, the lead of Meal Design Studio. She was the one who inspired that question and got us brainstorming. Um, she owns um, a B Corps that helps other mission-driven organizations communicate through beautiful and smart marketing. She did not put me up to that. She, this is not an advertisement for her that she paid me to say. I just think she's awesome, just like I think Carrie's awesome. And so um, thank you to Rebecca for um, starting off um, that conversation. Now, um, Carrie, I wanted to first um, start us off with just like a story of me really recently facing uncertainty. Um, and then we'll see, you know, where, where it goes. So um, those of you who joined me live last week, um, that was our inaugural episode for the hard skills. And honestly, I was not keen on the idea of doing a live show. I always had in my mind that 
when I was going to take this like fearless next step in podcasting, um, I, I, it was, it was, um, the world of podcasting is already sort of nebulous to me. So I would do it in a way that was like totally packaged, pre-recorded, heavily edited, you know, man over managed, right. Uh, to manage my own anxiety about it. But the universe brought me this opportunity with talk radio NYC and um, it just fell right into my lap. I couldn't pass up the chance to just try. And it came at a time when I was ready and I just leaped right in. And despite lots of prep and planning, I knew that I had to temper my expectations on a, a live show, right? So um, it could bring up any number of unexpected variables and it did, right? So um it didn't stream right away. I had good friends and colleagues te- texting me. I was, where is it? I can't find it, you know? And then when that was fixed, I screwed it up <laughs> and I cluelessly opened the YouTube streaming while on air. And I kept hearing myself talk back to me right after I said something. And I kept saying out loud on air, why am I hearing myself? <laughs> Until I realized, oh my God, I have the sound on while this thing is live streaming. <laughs> So a bunch of stuff like that. And, um, you know, yet at the same time, in the background, I still had friends and colleagues uh, and and even Frank Harrison, who had just met, who um, does a show called Frank on Health that airs um, on this radio show on Thursday evenings. Um, And he he was even saying, like, you got this. This is great. Go you, you know, like and that sort of boosted me. So all of that to say. The reason that I personally know how or when to leap into uncertainty like I did here and just lead anyway is for a few reasons. Number one, I've had lots of experiences leaping into uncertainty and I sort of know how it feels and what to expect and the fact that I'll be freaking out. And so I should actually pay less attention to my self-talk because at that time, my self-talk is going to be much more like cautious and negative. And number two, because I spent the time planning as much as I could, thinking through what's important to me, seeking advice, seeking help from my support squad, creating backup scenarios, right? So after that episode, I just realized, you know, if I'm going to make all of these recommendations for leaders to lean into uncertainty, right, to get comfortable with it, to ride it, right, then I should demonstrate the same thing right? And I need to practice what I preach. And this is the best mechanism to do that, right? So this is, um, this live show is a great mechanism. It helps you see the real flaws, how we all flex and adapt. And, um, you know, in real life, you, you aren't perfect and we can't be perfect. And leaders for sure, um, you know, we, we hold them up to the standard where they feel like they need to be perfect, but they're not. They're human beings. We forget that sometimes, right? And and so, you know, I'm um, just recognizing that you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, there are times you can wing it. There are times you can engage with curiosity and, you know, learn and just get better at it. And what a, what a better person to talk about adapting and um, trying and continuous improvement than an agile expert, right? And somebody who does this all the time. So what do you think, Carrie? Has there been a time like this, when you personally had to lean into uncertainty without a plan? I I could think of several. um, And I believe that everybody encounters it all the time. They may not realize it because the stakes aren't as high. But there's everybody ran into it with COVID, right? You know, the whole work changed associated with COVID. And then um, I've had things where a client had escalated all the way up to the CEO and um, they didn't know what to do because customer support wasn't helping them. Engineers weren't helping them. And they're like, Carrie, can you please come in (laughs) and address this? And so I'm thrown into a, a very upset client. Engineers going, don't invite her. She'll just call a meeting, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which I did, you know, (laughs) and and walk through, you know, getting the client to kind of de-escalate the client 
and then create a co-plan with them and step through it. I've also faced with um, an employee mentally just lost it, went off their meds, threatening employees through social media. And I was the, the most senior site leader in the office at the time, had young staff coming up to me. I'm freaking out. I'm scared. What do I do? And having to have a plan like on the fly, how do I keep these employees safe, get them in a safe location and, you know, help the employee that was having a crisis. So you kind of have all of that that you face of that happens. And then lastly, I, I one I kind of want to focus on a little more is new product. So new product development when you're a startup or emerging into a market that when you start creating your product, it's not necessarily a true market fit. You're trying to find it and figure it out. So as you're um, doing that, you you start to look at well, what's happening in the market? What are your clients saying, and what are your organization focusing in on? And I put together a four process um, or four things that I focus in on, and that's uh, decision analysis, culture. I can't wait to dig in to that. Um, hold on to that for just a moment. Uh, we're nearing a break, uh, an app break already. So um, you're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and our guest, Carrie Patterson. The Hard Skills airs live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you would like to join our online audience and ask questions that you would like answered in real time, find us right now on LinkedIn or YouTube at radio, talkradio.nyc, talkradio.nyc, and we'll be back with our guest in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome, welcome back with Carrie Patterson on the hard skills. Carrie, um, before we got to the break, you mentioned these four pillars. Can you say them again for us and how we ap apply them to uh, facing uncertainty when you, we don't really have a plan right away? So absolutely. The first one is what I call decision analysis and resolution. And that's really stemming from CMMI. 
uh, process. But what I do, I kind of water- um, share what's CMMI for those of us who don't know. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, down here for, for those of us who have no clue. <laughs> so that's the capability maturity model that was uh, created by Carnegie Mellon in in alignment with the DoD, the Defense uh, Department of Defense, and they did this formed a group called Software Engineering Institute, and so. The the model is uh, well-known, old school, but it has a lot of really good threads in it that still apply. And, and one of those I consider DAR, the Decision Analysis and Resolution. And this is, what established criteria do you need to make a decision on? Because a lot of times organizations will say to their employees, you're empowered, and they make a decision, and then why'd you make that decision? You know, and they get punished. And so then they don't make a decision, they freeze and they escalate everything up. And it's because the established criteria isn't clear. And and the way in which I teach people how to do that, when you start to list out how you're going about your decision, you list out, is this particular item a driver or is it a directional impact? And so it might impact me or give me energy into the direction I decide, but it doesn't drive me to it. Does that? Yeah. And so can you give us an example of when that might come up, a risk um, that leaders are thinking through, is this a driver um, that I should be leaning into or not? Yeah, so if if you're looking at like product and market fit, and the driver of it is going to be, are my clients going to adopt this product or do they just want demos of the product? And and uh, the way a VC would would play this to me, capitalist, huh? Uh, venture capitalist. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm stuck in. in <laughs> I'm going to translate every acronym you put out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the venture capitalist um, said to me, he said, Carrie, I don't want to hear that you have good dog food. I want to know that a dog is willing to jump over a wall or climb a fence to get to that dog food. And so as you're navigating, is this the right market fit? The drivers are the things that cause the client to click or, you know, to engage with your software versus I just want a demo of it. It's interesting, but I'm not going to buy it, right? And, and so you're looking for that hook. What is the hook? And, and the driver is going to be what causes the click through analytics and so forth. You can start to pick up on what's causing the client to engage with it. So if I'm going to um, try to translate this into my own words and in, in terms of how I think about this from a um, clinical or behavioral change perspective, mm-hmm. um, is this like... Um, is this pillar all about what is actually going to drive change versus just peak interest or, or is it like that? Right. Okay. Right. And and being able to distinguish that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't know. So you make a guess and try and see, okay, did it move the needle? No. Okay. Then I know it's just giving me fuel or, or not. And and it's not a directional, it's not something that's really pushing me to the goal. Got it. Okay. I'm going to come back to that one in a second. Let's talk about that second pillar. What's the second pillar? So the second pillar is um, looking at culture. So culture is a big thing, especially when you start to do strategy and there's the old saying, cliche, strategy, eat, I mean, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And people don't realize culture actually has teeth. And there's a great book out there. Um, it's called Winning Teams and Winning Cultures. 
And they actually have a diagram in here where it looks like teeth chomping down strategic initiatives. And some of those teeth are like blaming, resisting change, uh, self-interest, poor communication. And so those things are going to chew up your ability to execute anything you want to do. Absolutely. I am thinking of so many teams right now that are struggling with those kinds of things. And, you know, they don't call it culture, um, but it really is all about like um, both. It's not just about the customer experience. It's about the employee experience as well. It's about their experience navigating um, the culture. Is it clear? Is it transparent? Are we talking about the meeting after the meeting and before the meeting about the meeting? Because, you know, we don't know how to sort of engage in conflict and talk through ideas and and those kinds of things. And every single one of those pieces creates the internal culture. Is that how kind of you're thinking about it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we're thinking now, okay, so we've got pillar one, which is more about like what drives change. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is um, the elements within a culture that could either hold us back from being successful or um, catapult us even further because we're much more cohesive as a culture. Is that right? Correct. And there's also the factor of the leadership shadow, right? So if the leader isn't demonstrating the change you want to see happen, then the employees are going to comply to the behavior, not what they say, but the behavior. Can you say more about um, this leadership shadow thing? What does it look like? What does it feel like to employees and from the outside? Yeah. So like I was saying, of uh, it's the behavior. So when you were saying the meeting before and meeting after, because people don't want to have healthy conflict, if the leader is only meeting with a small group and deciding things, And then you come into the greater, bigger meeting and have other employees contribute, but all the other employees are ignored. It's what the smaller group decided is what gets executed forward. Even though the leader may say, oh, this is an inclusive environment and you're invited to the table and I'll hear you, but you're ignored. Yeah. So it's, it's a very sort of, um, performative, inclusive culture instead of an active, inclusive culture. And so um, sounds like this uh, shadow is is really more about like what happens behind the scenes, workplace politics stuff, um, or even sometimes I think leaders are not aware that they're actually like doing that. True, right? true, true, because they'll consider the smaller group their trusted advisors, you know, their smaller inner circle, and we all have them. It's natural to do that. However, you might be missing some really great ideas and not even realize it because you're so used to relaxing in what's comfortable versus leaning in what I I isn't comfortable or I don't really know. Right. I was just going to say, like, I feel like um, <clears throat> there are plenty of leaders who um, want to be inclusive, but they fear the feedback and reactions and having to have that exchange of perspectives where they are um, questioned or their ideas are poked apart um, when they might have ideas that they're really just like passionate about and they they don't want to let go of those ideas. And so what happens instead is um, <clears throat> they'll work with a smaller group of people that um, might be um, too much, too insular. And, um, you know, yes, men or women or, um, you know, uh, give only one small piece of the the perspective. Um, But it's mainly because of fear of getting the feedback and not knowing what to do with it sometimes. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's just ignorance, right? Not understanding the other person. Right, right. Okay, so um, we went through those um, two pillars, the, you know, what drives our behavior and change and what, um, you know, um, affects culture, including the leader's shadow, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What is number three of those pillars? So number three is like product or services. So it's what you're delivering to your client. And and with that, it's, are you getting that feedback from your client? Because one of the big things that leaders miss 
is your clients are going to tell you about market transitions before you know a market transition is coming. And, and so that engagement of with your product and services, are you getting that feedback from your client to know what's really going on? How and, do you get that feedback early on? So there's a number of ways you can do it, but the best way is spending time with your client, whether that's sales organization, the CEO, marketing, developers, getting that feedback is so critical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I imagine um, that reduces um, you sort of spinning your wheels when you're feeling uncertain about which direction to go. It gives you a lot more data to be able to yeah. actually spend time with your customers getting actual feedback. Right. And sometimes your clients are feeling this uncertainty first. In, in the area of your product or your service. And they'll start to tell you they won't have the answer of what it is they need to fix that uncertain feeling, but you need to pay attention to it. And that's where kind of that testing out, well, what about this? Well, what about that? You know, what is it that you really need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So now um, you've tested it, you've gotten some feedback, you're gathering some data. What's that last piece? So the last pillar is yes. um, the what I call organizational process performance. It's OPP. It's pulled from CMMI, <laughs> the <laughs> Capability Maturity Model. And this one, what I love about it is that it, it tells us that you have some strategic direction and a goal assigned to that. And as you're executing through people and processes and tools, am I moving the needle to get to my goal? And and so you're looking at the flow of information through the organization, the organization's ability to pivot. If something, you know, you think True North is here, well, it's really North Northwest, and and that's the direction we're we're trying to move to. I guess it's more this way, Northwest instead <laughs> Northeast. But but as you start to to move, you know, in the direction that that strategy is pointing you to, you're you're looking to see what is it within the organization that's helped promoting and pushing towards where you want to go. Just like uh, leveraging the resources that you have in order to make this happen? It's people and process and tools. So your tools, one of the things that I always tell people when you create tools to measure the organization you want to see more footprints in the sand instead of feeding the machine. And what I mean by that, if you have a human entering data that says, you know, I'm moving the needle one way or another, the accuracy of that is all over the place. But if I'm able to track what people are doing in real time, that is actually going to give me a more clear picture. Are we moving in the right direction? Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, thank you for explaining. These, this is a complicated process. So let's return to how might we apply that to leading with uh, and through uncertainty um, after our brief break. Um, again, you're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco, and our guest, Carrie Patterson. The Hard Skills airs live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you would like to join our online community, don't forget, you can join us on LinkedIn or YouTube at talkradio.nyc, and we can answer your questions in real time. We will be back with our guests in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D., the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome, welcome back. We are back with Carrie Patterson. She has just described these four pillars of um, how you sort of lean into uncertainty when you're not quite sure you have a plan. And, you know, this nice framework around um, identifying how you can use your knowledge of behavioral change and what it takes to change behavior and, and take action what it takes to um, create the kind of culture you need in order to um, make true movement, and then how to get feedback along the way from your customers early on, and then from the right metrics that actually give you sort of better data. Is that right? Did I sort of describe it right, Carrie? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Very good. Great, great. Wow. I feel like um, you just gave me like an immense crash course in this really complicated stuff. So I kind of feel proud of myself that I was even able to uh, remember all of that. Um, Now let's, let's move backwards. We have this framework right now. Um, Given the fact that there are frameworks out there, like what you offer, why is it still so hard for people to take a step forward? Why is it, why does it still for leaders sometimes feel risky, um, even if they have that kind of framework? Um, Is there a reason why um, people still feel like they need to know all the answers or have a real specific plan? What happens in those situations? Yeah, well, the reason that leaders don't execute or don't move forward, fear of failure, um, they don't want to disappoint their employees or cause harm to their employees of like people losing their jobs and things like that. And so they're hesitant to move um, if the consequences are really high or they don't really have a strong risk management you know, organization or plan in place to kind of help when they start to see things going too far to prevent it from collapsing or going too far. The other is poor communication, not able to get clearly the the buy-in with employees so that they trust that the leader is going in the right direction and, and so forth. So as uncertainty comes and the employees feel it, because you can't mask it. You can try, but a lot of times employees can see through that. The lack of trust kind of starts to erode across the organization. So I think that kind of holds people back. And, you know, on the flip side, if you have a supportive culture where leaders can feel more vulnerable in front of their employees and gather feedback, hey, we're going to take this uncertain bold move and it may have negative consequences, what are some of the ways in which we can eradicate the damage that could be done associated with that? Oh, interesting. So the thing that I'm picking up from what you're saying in that last point that you made is, you know, a lot of times as leaders, we often um, think we need to do it all by ourselves and that it all falls on, on us. And so um, some of the fears that you mentioned were around that, around like the burden of uh, the recognition that there are people behind you that you're, you know, supporting as a leader, they're following you, they're, 
they're your employees. You know, what, what if something goes wrong and the, you know, business blows up or something goes wrong and it causes damage or harm. And that could be, um, you know, it, it could become really, um, you know, um, sort of just cause you to stall, you know, and freeze, like you said before. Right. So, um, I like how you were sort of saying, um, you know, what if we, right? Like that's, that's, that's a sort of culture question as well. It's not about me by myself creating all of this. It's about us trying to think through what are all of the things that we need to put in place so that it's our decision, but it's also um, something that we've, we've all sort of contributed to and thinking through. Um, Is that sort of how you're sort of thinking about one way to mitigate that kind of fear? Exactly. And that it takes a strong leader to be vulnerable in front of their employees. And you have to listen and don't disregard some crazy things that people can come up with. Because one, you can't see everything. We all have blinders on our, we we can't help it. We all have blinders. And so the bigger you have a circle around you, and that's why I was saying going out to the feedback of your clients, and we have a network of people that we interact with out in the industry. So you can start to pick up a lot of feedback information if you listen to it and not be so prideful of it has to come from you, but just start to really listen a lot more than you're sharing. Listen a lot and and see and test out some of the things that employees, even if they're crazy ideas, what seems like crazy, you never know where it will take you. And and part of it is having a heart for uh, curiosity and serendipity because you never know where it might take you. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like sometimes that's stifled in certain situations. And um, I'll give you a couple of examples. One is when, um, you know, you have had some big, big blow up uh, you know, your organization has ended up in the media, for example, for one reason or another. Um, there was organizational trauma, um, which is something that, you know, that I've um, um, sort of helped organizations with um, and teams a- around um, where where people um, have experienced something, you know, really awful at, at an organizational level. And they're, you know, now just coming back from it. And um, in these kinds of situations, you, you see a closing in of ranks, right? Like you see a, a self-protection happening. Um, leaders do it um, especially because they fear it happening again. And they're, you know, trying to sort of mitigate another risk like that was that was so stressful, right? And so um, in those cases, I feel like sometimes they go all the way in the other direction, um, mm-hmm. sort of overdoing the risk mitigation, um, mm-hmm. overdoing the policies and procedures and training and all the things thinking they can protect themselves from this happening again by doing that. Unfortunately, I feel like what happens when you do that is it stifles innovation. It stifles all of the things that you were just talking about, like taking a risk, trying something out and seeing what happens and getting feedback and leaning into curiosity. I'm wondering if you've had those experiences with organizations, has you, have you seen that? And if so, how do you, how do you, help leaders work their way out of that and back into more of a continuous improvement curiosity stance. That That's where leadership shadow really comes into play of the behavior of whoever's leading the organization and what's the approach they take. One of the great things about the agile framework is that you have a thing called retrospectives where you evaluate what happened. And you talk about what went well, and then I don't say what went wrong. I always say, and what can we approve on? (laughs) And then what did I learn? And then I usually add in there, and who do I thank? Mm. And, you know, creating that appreciation culture within the team of, I, I appreciate you for helping me in this journey, even if we failed, we learned something and these are the elements that we learned 
And this is some of the good nuggets that we want to take with us. Now, what do we want to do differently going forward? That's a great idea. I think that um, leaders don't always know how to um, sort of do that retrospective, you know, to, it, in my words, it's like meaning making, right? Like, can we make meaning out of what happened? Um, and not just as individuals where we have different meanings we're taking away from it, which could actually tear us apart even more, but like meaning making across um, what's our new story now, right? right? Um, what does this mean for us as, as a team and an organization? So how do you, how do you do a retrospective in a way that's successful? So one of the things we use uh, different tools that allows people to enter information anonymously. And so we can see it in real time. We can vote on, oh, yeah, I agree with that, or kind of put your own and time box it so Mm -hmm. that, you know, analysis paralysis on different things. That's, That's one way. And then we talk about it, right? So you allow kind of the the quiet one to be able to have a voice in, in the crowded voice, loud voices, but then you allow the team to kind of sit in it. That's one of the things that I've done too. Of it's quiet, no one wants to say anything. I just let them sit in it for a little bit. It gets uncomfortable, but it it helps them kind of process and, and digest and feel it, and then move forward. Interesting. So um, being comfortable with sitting in it. So is there just like pure silence, just thinking about it and reflecting? Some people are just antsy. They're like, I I don't like it. It's too quiet. It's too quiet. It's too quiet. And then they'll break it, you know, (laughs) and and they use different techniques. Some people use humor in that moment. And and some people just have to talk. (laughs) And what is the ultimate outcome that comes from that? At the end of that retrospective, what is the true goal at the end of it? Action items. What are we actually actively going to do differently? Great. Okay. Uh, I can't believe how quickly this is going, but we are up for another uh, quick break. So as a reminder, you are listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and our guest, Carrie Patterson. The Hard Skills airs live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Find us on LinkedIn or YouTube at talkradio.nyc if you want to see us live. And we'll be back with our guest in just a moment. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. My God, my my music makes me so happy. <laughs> Every time I hear my music, 
on this show. I just want to like dance around my entire office here. Welcome back. We have Carrie uh, Patterson. She just finished talking with us about retrospectives. And it reminded me of a question that we got on LinkedIn um, about um, something that I think touches on this. So I want to sort of uh, bring it up for you, Carrie, and see what you think. So this one was asked by Kristen Strunk. She is a consultant who supports women leaders and is also a people and culture director for a large consulting firm. And she said, I'm curious about the best way for leaders to use a risk um, that didn't turn out as planned as a coaching moment for their team. How does that leader highlight a failure um, without necessarily focusing on the failure piece? I feel like this is maybe related to what we've been talking about, the retrospective and maybe other things. So I'm, I'm curious what your perspective on that is. Absolutely. And the it's part of it is word phrasing, right? So like I said, what what instead of saying what failed or what, what you know, what could we do better? What's something we could do differently? It, it may not necessarily be better. So I usually use the word differently of to really focus in on what part of skin in the game the individuals have. But the leader also has skin in the game. So they need to understand where did the team go off track or did they? Is it a leadership issue or is it a team issue or a combo of the two? And the leadership shadow is so critical because how the leader behaves after that. Do they retaliate against the employees? Are they focused in on the failure only? Or are they able to see some nuggets and lessons learned that can be applied in the future of, I want to hold on to the nuggets. I want to apply something that I learned and to be vulnerable in front of the team to say, I learned in an all hands meeting that when I, you know, don't kick off a a project meeting the team loses the intent behind the project, you know, so I will commit to you all that I will start doing these kickoffs, being participant, so that it's clearly understood the intent of the project. You know, things like that is where the leader stands up and says, I will, or I commit, or I've heard you, and this is my promise to you, something where the team feels reassured that the leader it has skin in the game, that it's not just only on the team, but the leader is taking a per- active participant and being better going forward. So I'm hearing uh, role modeling mm-hmm. is one of those things, right? And I'm I'm hearing sort of um, the language around how you frame what happened as not a failure, but a learning moment, a moment of curiosity, a moment of change, behavior change, and you know, internal change, organizational change, an opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. Is anything else? Yeah, and you know, there there are times when people just say, you know, I really screwed up here. I thought this was going to have a better outcome than it did, and you know, it, it's okay to say, hey, <laughs> you know, for people to raise their hand. I I will choose to do things differently going forward and committing to the team. And that's when you're in a team setting of really good trust where I know the people around me, I understand their core values and, and be able to say, okay, we, we're going to agree here of how we do better going forward. And I need your help. I can't do yeah. it alone. And, and um, now, all of that is sort of um, important modeling and behavioral um, and, and sort of language um, around how you act as a leader, right? Which has a major impact. I mean, the weight of your words are enormous when you're in a leadership position, right? I'm wondering, in addition to that, um, how do you coach the team to, um, for, for for those people who aren't sort of as easily or readily able to um, infuse that in their own sort of behavioral changes or the way that they work with the team? How do you coach the team on um, this being an important 
sort of moment of opportunity rather than a moment of um, playing the the blame game or pointing fingers or um, tearing yourself down or becoming over perfectionist. These are all like sort of the the likely paths for some people who um, don't have the best coping mechanisms on teams. So how do you, how do you sort of help coach the team to to then also um, learn those behaviors that the leader wants to sort of role model? Right. So what I do with those is I, I flip it into culture, right? Because that's really where it sits. We're not here to blame. We're not here to point fingers. We're not here to criticize, you know, one person over another. And to really understand that your teammates have a strength and a strength naturally creates a weakness. And we want to match strength to strength so that we succeed the best way together and have a better understanding of who's sitting to the right and left of me so that we know how we want to behave. And it's really the tolerating. Are you going to tolerate people blaming? Or are you going to tolerate people doing thank yous and and learning and asking for accountability help? Things like that. If if the team can't be vulnerable, then, you know, I would start with the leader. And if the leader is not vulnerable, then the team never will be. If the leader is vulnerable and there are individuals within the team, then maybe this team member doesn't need to be part of the team if they can't go there. But I flip it more of culture and what does this organization value? So it may not be your core values, but what does the organization have as its core values? And that's what you're sticking to in the behavior that we demonstrate. It's integrity, you know, it's teamwork or winning or whatever it is that you're clear about this is the expectation that we bring and we value in our meetings, in our work, in our communication. Yeah. So it's starting to become clear how um, the culture pillar interacts with sort of that um, what motivates people for change and the the um, leadership shadow uh, pillar and how how they they connect it um it makes me think about some of the things that we work on in team development with organizational development which is um things like creating uh team charters or you know operating principles ground rules how we will work together mm-hmm. in order to be successful and feel safe um psychologically safe you know with each other um what what are our expectations of each other um, how do we make commitments to each other that we don't break or go back on, right? How do we hold each other accountable? And, um, you know, Patrick Lencioni's five behaviors of a cohesive team, right? Where it right. starts with trust. And that's what you're talking about. The vulnerability is number one. If you don't have that, if you cannot lean into asking for help and receiving help and creating helping relationships, and, um, you know, um, if you insist on um, uh, having this, um, vo- you know, invulnerable attitude, it's going to be really hard for people to lean into like, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to adjust. It's okay to change. So, um, you know, all of that put together, what is um, maybe one thing that you you recommend people avoid doing and one thing that you would like people to take away from today from this um, discussion? Okay, so one thing to avoid is that negative thought pattern of, you know, blaming this is the problem, this is the worst, you know, just kind of spiraling in there and talking that way. I, you know, the one thing to take away and to do is to be curious with a positive mindset of it's a journey, it's a serendipity. If you freeze, it's like Allison Levine climbing Mount Everest, her leadership story that she has a TED Talk for, complacency will kill you. So because the environment's always shifting and buckle up, people, we're going to be in a very moving 
in shifting environment in the market in the next 10 years. So it's going to be a lot of uncertainty. Just be curious, be kind to yourself and, and be helpful to others. Love it. Curiosity, kindness, and um, helpfulness to others. Um, what, what else can we want right in the world today? So um, for the audience, what did you take away? And more importantly, what is one small change you can implement this week based on what you learned from Carrie? Share it with us on LinkedIn and so that we can cheer you on. So um, thank you for joining us today. We are, um, you know, every we are here every Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Would love to have you join us and, um, you know, share this with um, others. We post on talkradio.nyc. You can find us also at Mira Bronku and at Carrie Patterson on LinkedIn and at Towerscope. I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, your host for the Hard Skill Show. Thank you for joining us today with Carrie Patterson. Next week, we will have Jesse Janelle, an executive coach, TEDx speaker, and organizational development consultant who will share her expertise on self-trust and uncertainty. You will not want to miss that show. Thank you to talkradio.nyc for hosting. And remember, I am a clinical psychologist. She is a consultant. I'm an organizational psychologist, and so is she. We are not your clinical and organizational consultants. Um, You need a contract for that if you want um, more help from one of us. And um, Carrie, if they want to find out more about you, where do they find more information about your work and how to engage with you? LinkedIn is the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So for now, thank you and have a great rest of your day, wherever you are tuning in from. And thank you for joining us today. Take care, everybody. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify, your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism, 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 